Oh my god, what am I doing? Hello, welcome to Just Thinking Out Loud. Today is a beautiful spring day. It's very exciting. It's warm outside. And it's also exciting because I am talking to Jeremy Wayne Tate. He is the founder of something called the CLT. So what did it stand for? Again, I forgot. Yeah, it stands for the, the classic learning test. It's an alternative to the SAT, ACT, PSAT, all that good stuff. Okay, the, the classic learning test, yes. And I'm here to have him speak about how he got started, uh, why he thought this was important. As you know, I've talked about education a lot and what you see happening in higher education, especially with standardized testing and the drivers starting to be, I think, from in my opinion, change from focusing on teaching students to getting certain outcomes rather than making sure that the skills are there and that teachers are held accountable. So that's just where my interest is coming from. And this interview isn't about me, so I'm going to give Jeremy a time to, to talk all about everything. Um, but I just want to say I'm very excited to have him on Just Thinking Out Loud and have him get, get into this, I think, really important topic for the future of any nation or country uh, in the mm -hmm. world. So would you go ahead and uh, introduce yourself, uh, Jeremy? Yeah, and Desiree, uh, thanks so much for having me on the program. Really enjoyed your, your conversation with Catherine Burblesing, and it, it's an honor to, to chat and to think out loud with you uh, today. So yeah, my name is Jeremy Tate. I'm a graduate from Louisiana State University, a graduate from Reformed Theological Seminary uh, as well. Uh, and about five years ago, I launched an alternative to the PSAT, the SAT, the ACT, uh, which may sound like the most boring thing on the planet to you. You're like, who cares? I could watch a million things. Why am I going to listen to you talk about a standardized test? Well, what's really interesting is that because standardized testing is so boring, it kind of goes unnoticed. <laughs> uh, but the reality is that standardized testing in many ways kind of controls, drives, dictates uh, curriculum, academic focus uh, in American education. It plays an extremely important, extremely powerful role. Uh, and many of these tests are totally disconnected from the intellectual tradition that gave birth to America. And uh, CLT wants to bring that back. All right. Um, what is the intellectual tradition that gave birth to America? Briefly, if you can describe that. Yeah, I mean, so no doubt 100% uh, of America's founders were classically educated. Uh, ben Franklin, uh, Thomas Jefferson, uh, these are in many ways Renaissance men uh, who were indebted to uh, the political theory of the Enlightenment, but also uh, the great traditions of, of Athens and Rome as well. Incredibly well-read uh, leaders uh, that, that gave birth. Um, and this is baked into the United States Constitution. It's baked into things like the separation of powers, checks and balances, a view of human nature with the propensity uh, towards evil. Um, they were the, the Constitution is a work of genius. Uh, it, they, they took into account the failures of so many previous uh, systems of government. Uh, and they wanted to put in place uh, a system uh, that really was born out of a deep, deep familiarity with, again, uh, many systems before them. How did you get interested in the topic of standardized testing? You said you started a CLT five years ago. Um, yeah. I mean, I can have an idea, but could you explain like what, what was happening around that time? Yeah, so about five years ago, SAT, and, and SAT, the history of SAT is actually a fascinating history. So it actually started uh, early, early 1900s with the launch of College Board, actually in the year 1900. Um, and, you know, we've heard a lot around this conversation of standardized testing is inherently racist. And people have to be really careful 
to one, not jump on the bandwagon and say, yes, it is, but two, to dismiss those claims entirely. Because Carl Brigham, who is the original founder of the SAT, the dude was straight up racist, and he actually said some really terrible things. And one of the things that Carl Brigham was wanting to do uh, with cognitive intelligence testing at the turn of the century, he was trying to empirically demonstrate uh, the superiority of Caucasian minds over others. Carl Brigham was a racist. Now, what's ironic about the history of the SAT is that it actually had the opposite impact. What we actually discovered from the tests in the early years was that uh, students who read a lot of books came from families where their parents pushed them academically. Uh, it didn't matter what color skin they happened to have. Those were the factors uh, that mattered most for academic success. Uh, and so the idea of cognitive testing actually it was first rolled into uh, World War I. Uh, it was how uh, the United States determined basically who would be on the front lines and who would be back in intelligence. Uh, so talk about high stakes testing. But we used that test to, to roll it into uh, the SAT, which was launched really as a pure aptitude test uh, in 1926. Um, and for a long time, the SAT was kind of the only game in town, and then it became a very big name after World War II, uh, which is when you had the GI Bill and you had more people wanting to go to college really than seats available. Uh, and so what this meant was that there was a, a big, big spike in applicants and college became selective, and the importance of your SAT score started to matter a lot. But then what happened is that the ACT launched in 1959 as a competitor uh, to the SAT. And uh, and they were saying aptitude testing is not fair. It's wrong. You, you're testing kids based on how smart they are. You need to test them on what they learn in the classroom. And a lot of people heard that and they said, yeah, totally. What they learn in the classroom, that makes sense. Then you stop and you say, wait a minute, wait, which classroom are we talking about here? Are we talking about a Montessori school or a Catholic school? Are we talking about a Jewish school, a Christian school, a public school, a tech school. Um, and so when when you have a test like the ACT, uh, it ends up driving, dictating, controlling classroom. And if you talk to a lot of academic deans in the country, a lot of principals, they know the power of the college board in driving curriculum and dictating what actually happens in the classroom because the power of the testing is so strong. And college board in particular has taken a very um, progressive, secular uh, approach. Um, and uh, and CLT, when they align with Common Core, Common Core, if you don't know anything else about it, is three things to know. It is anti-fiction, it is anti-classics, it is anti-religion, and it also marks a tremendous intrusion of the federal government into education. And, uh, and so CLT launched as an alternative to be more reflective of traditional education. Okay. Um, I, I Okay, first of all, I, I just want to mention that I think you were just giving the history of standardized testing in the U.S. specifically. I just want to say that there's a history outside of that, of standardized mm -hmm. testing. And then I think you're saying that the CLT, um, its knowledge base is different from the SAT and ACT. Maybe that's wrong. So I want to ask you to clarify what is different, what is different, how is the CLT different from the SAT and the ACT? That's a great question. Yeah, and in some ways, the, the CLT is actually going to look more like the SAT from when I took it in the late 90s than the current SAT does. We have things like analogies and logic questions on the math side. Uh, but then in terms of source material, instead of using, I mean, legitimately, SAT was using a Bernie Sanders op-ed. That's what they're putting on the SAT now. A lot of people have this idea like the SAT is something that never changes. The SAT is an entirely different test than what you took, especially if you took it before 2010. The only wow. thing, yeah, the only thing that's the same is that it is still in English 
and they still use the acronym SAT, which now actually stands <laughs> for nothing. It didn't stand for anything anymore. Um, and so everything has changed about the test. They went from saying this is a pure aptitude test that you can't study for to now saying that they have removed every last trace of aptitude testing, that it's a pure achievement test based on what? The federally imposed common core standards that never should have existed in the first place. And so this is why CLT launches a, as an alternative. I didn't know that because I took the SAT to, to come to the, to the U.S. for college. And I'm, I think it stands for the Scholastic Aptitude Test. Am I making that up? I'm not or used to? At, at one time it did. At one time it, it stood for the Scholastic Achievement Test uh, as well. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I had no idea that it shifted because I, I haven't seen it. So I'm just saying that's really interesting because I came to the U.S. in 2010. So it is about that yeah. time. That, that, that shift must have happened. You, you actually took the test then when it was on this weird 2,400-point scale. They were only doing that for about 10 years. But you would have had three scores, a writing, a, a reading. Yeah, I did. I had three scores. Mm -hmm. yeah. okay. Now they back down to the 1,600-point scale. Hmm. Okay, yeah, that, that's interesting. Um, and then... Kind of going off of the last question, uh, could you describe practically like what the different parts are of the the CLT? Like I'm guessing the different sections. That kind of yeah, thing. yeah. And so uh, in many ways, CLT wants to uh, reward uh, students who haven't spent a ton of time in prep, but instead have spent time reading out of the great tradition. Uh, students who can pick up, uh, and it, it sounds kind of intimidating, a student who could pick up Ben Franklin, who could pick up John Locke or Flannery O'Connor, or even someone like Thomas Aquinas, and read and understand what they're talking about, that student's going to do really well on the CLT. Unfortunately, the students who can do that, uh, they're becoming kind of few and far between uh, in American education, because we're not exposing students to those kinds of texts uh, in the classroom uh, anymore and more. In fact, uh, that's becoming increasingly rare. So that, that's the main difference in terms of source material. In terms of actual testing experience, it's very similar to an SAT. Students are gonna are gonna. It's shorter, and they actually get results a lot faster because it's actually remotely proctored. So proctored using, it's incredible weird like Big Brother technology. But but we have we students take it from their house, and uh, you know we can monitor their keystrokes. We have a video of them. We can see their screen the entire time. Uh, it's sort of yeah like this weird Big Brother kind of technology. But um, it's also provided for a great option, especially during the whole COVID thing. You know, for students to be able to test at home and not have to worry about it. Okay, so is there like multiple choice, or is it short answer? Are yeah. there? Um, yep. Is there a math section? Like I'm wondering. I'm just curious about that. Yeah, yeah. So 40, 40, 40. We wanted to really simplify the scoring, and so it's 120 minutes. 120 points, uh, 40 math, 40 reading, 40 grammar writing. So we simplified the version. So you know, when students take the SAT and it's like 174 questions and then they get a score out of 1600, and you're like, what does this even mean? CLT so wanted to remove some of the mystery there to give students a better sense of how they did. Okay. Um, I don't know if you want to share this, you don't have to, but about how many places are using the test and um, how many students have taken the test in the, in the five years? Yeah, it's so a really yeah so, so last year we had about 31,000 students test with us uh, last academic year. This year will be far more. It's been a really good year so far. And we really blew up about this time last year. And so 2020, COVID happened. We were the only game in town in terms of remote proctor testing. 
Uh, so we had about a 600% jump in students. Uh, we work with 200 or so co partner colleges, um, but right now a lot of colleges are saying uh, that you know they're going to go test optional. And some of the test optional stuff is, is just silly. It's kind of ridiculous because on our end, we work with thousands of homeschool students. Our homeschool students, they average, all of our homeschool students collectively in our system average a 3.96. So they're almost all 4.0 students and mom and dad have control of the transcript. Now look, I'm a homeschool parent myself, so I'm not I'm not taking shots or anything like that. Uh, but to have no external metrics at all that the college is going to use and just use the self-reported GPA, uh, I'm not sure how sustainable that's going to be uh, long term. So definitely have some questions about that and what the future is going to look like. Yeah, I, I don't think that is sustainable, but I, I support homeschooling, which is a huge political issue uh, over here um in the u.s okay so another question that i had for you and maybe it wasn't very difficult but i'm going to guess that there was some pushback in you creating the clt so I'm, i don't know but what was the experience of creating it uh, what was that journey like you know what this is so fascinating 20 years ago clt would have been the least interesting company in america okay because we're actually a pretty middle-of-the-road group of people. We're like, yeah, we think the Western intellectual tradition is pretty cool and it's valuable. And that's what everyone always thought in American education until about 10 minutes ago. Uh, and now <laughs> CLT is like this radical, disruptive, firebrand company. Of like, we're extremists because we think like C.S. Lewis and Aquinas like should be read. Um, and so it, I think it's more indicative of just how crazy uh, so much of American education that something as mild and like boring as CLT would suddenly become this like disruptive firebrand company and we're stirring the pot by having kids read like Darwin and Thomas Aquinas and Nietzsche and you know these these figures who were central in the development of the Western intellectual tradition so um, yeah it's it's fascinating and, and in some ways American education is in free fall right now uh, there seems to be no logical stopping point of course my own home state of Oregon uh, recently, you know, has been raising questions about about math being inherently racist, uh, imposing white Western views of uh, of, of objective truth, uh, just absolute silliness. Uh, there is a rich, long tradition on the continent of Africa itself of the highest level of mathematics. Um, the people putting this out here, it is just ideologues who have no substance behind what they're saying at all. And, and people who are also being deeply insulting. Uh, you think about the number of math educators of black mathematicians in America, uh, and, and then you have these, these young, progressive, almost always white upstarts saying uh, that math is inherently racist. So. I think at some point, mainstream middle America is going to have enough and we're going to come back to the center is my hope, you know. Yeah, I, I want to put a slight plug in here um, just because I, I think you might share this interview with your audience. I did an interview with um, someone named Rod Graham, who is a proponent of critical race theory and epistemologically, or however that word is, it's really interesting to understand where the the knowledge because it doesn't actually come from anywhere <laughs> doesn't come from objective truth where mm -hmm. that comes from that that the, those ideas that are pushing what you're talking about in terms of racist i racist um math being racist for example and it's also interesting to like hear that come out of someone's mouth 
because like they like they're saying exactly like where 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 our knowledge comes from is just opinion. They think that inequality is just exists that it doesn't have to be proven, and then mm. they analyze everything from that. And I just think it might be interesting for your audience to like listen um, to that interview. But back to yeah, no, we, we would we would love to. And one of the things CLT wants to do actually is is really champion uh, civil dialogue uh, to show people you know what you you can be cheerful and kind and have conversations with people that you might think are kind of crazy and totally wrong about most things and still have a conversation where you're not trying to annihilate the other person or cancel them or anything like that. So yeah. happy to promote that. Happy to listen to that for sure. No. Yeah. I, I think that's really important. And something that I, the education that I got that it's from a, it was from a Jesuit institution in Jamaica and there was a focus on dealing with the topics, being able to debate, um, and being able to just like you know question things and come from it using logic and not your feelings. And that is, I don't want to call it the tradition, but the tradition that I come from. And it wasn't just you know math and science, but you had to do sports and uh, you had to do charity. Like it, it was like you're supposed to be a well well-rounded individual. Um, and um, I don't want to talk about myself too much, but um, I think that the, the debate issue is what I'm trying to say. Like, that's very important for learning, learning how to think. And that seems to be lost in what yeah. I see here today. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the, there is, I mean, Harvard University, right? Harvard, the, the students at, this is a, a university that puts diversity at the center of their brand, the center of their marketing, right? Diversity, diversity, diversity. The students at Harvard did their own research. They interviewed faculty members and discovered that 99% of the faculty, 99% identifies as either liberal or very liberal, right? That's not diversity. I, you know, are, are we only going to talk about diversity in, in terms of skin color? not about people having different ideas and coming from different places and believing in different things. A university should be should be the center of an open exchange of ideas. And instead, what's getting imposed is this, this aggressive kind of secular progressive orthodoxy where if you, if you stray away from it, I, I mean, it's almost far more stringent than anything the Catholic Church imposed in the Middle Ages or, or anything else. If you stray outside the boundaries of progressive orthodoxy, that's it. You know, you're, you're, if you're a professor, you're out. If you're a student, you know, it's not going to be a safe place. Um, and you know what's really interesting, Desiree? I, I've been to so many of these conferences where, you know, higher ed is contracting right now. 30% uh, or so of colleges are going to close in the next few years. And so you have these people in the enrollment arena, and they're trying to talk about all the different reasons that a lot of students, your Charlie Kirks of the world, don't want to go to college, right? Uh, in fact, it's actually white male where there's the biggest decrease in college attendance right now. And one of the, the, the things that they won't possibly consider is that they have uh, turned off a huge chunk now of the American population because they don't feel like they're places where an open exchange of ideas can actually happen. Uh, so it, I think it's it's crucial that that we're having the conversation we are, and, and I, I appreciate you you raising voices, uh, Desiree. So thank you. Yeah, I, I think creating new institutions is important. I've said it for a couple of years, not because the old institutions, well, because they are bad, but because it doesn't seem like they can be reformed. And at some point, I think you need to like it's important to have intellectual discovery. I think it's important for the human being. 
And so if there isn't a place anymore to do that, those places need to exist. And what you're doing may seem like it's not that, but it's very, very essential, I, I think, um, what you're doing with the CLT. So I'm going to re-ask you the question just because I guess I was looking for some kind of drama and you kind of talked about it, but did like, was there, were there any smear attacks? Like, did anything happen? Yeah, there's been a few, but you know, one really memorable story. Um, I I was at a a public university and presenting CLT. We want them to change their admission standards and include CLT as an option. I'm presenting there and the the guy says, listen, we're not going to, we're not going to be able to accept an admissions test that that has people like John Paul II and C.S. Lewis on it. And I thought, those are two of the greatest minds of the 20th century. Why, why would we not be able to include them? And he thought that was just common sense, you know, because they happen to be, what, Christians, uh, that he could just openly discriminate against them and say, we're going to ignore everything else that they had to say. We're not going to give them a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so it has been that kind of uh, conversation with some of the, the universities. In fact, one institution, a, a small Catholic college in Washington State, said uh, to us uh, that it was, you know, we were we were being extremely arrogant in suggesting that some authors were more worthy of being read than others. Uh, you think about the lunacy of a comment like that. I mean, you think about what, what is what is the Golden Globes? What are the Grammys? Is it not is it not distinguishing some things as being better than other things? Uh, but but now we have college leaders saying that that saying that about books and ideas and authors is 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 deeply troubling and problematic. So, you know, there's something deeply amiss uh, at a lot of these colleges right now, but I, I really think, Desiree, I think parents are waking up to this. And and I actually think some of these degrees, even from some universities, are they're actually becoming liabilities. I can't tell you the number of CEOs I've talked to over the past few years who, you know, if you have a student who they graduated from, you know, I, I won't name names, but, but a number of universities, wh- what does it actually communicate at this point to a lot of CEOs? It communicates... Uh, that the student feels like the world owes them something, uh, that they've been deeply wronged, right? They've ingested bad ideas for four years. There's no reason the employer thinks that they have a hard work ethic or are going to have the grit to get the job done. They're going to come in and they're going to complain. They're going to find reasons that they got wronged and they're not going to work well with their coworkers. So and this is where what once employers more and more started to say, we, we can't hire from these institutions, you know, we're going to start looking at the Hillsdales of the world. I think that's when we're going to see, you know, that, that, that that's when we're going to see, I think, things really shift. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to ask something, but I lost it. I didn't write it down. So I'm going to move on to the next question. Um, what have the results? been like um for students uh going forward like our college is accepting what has the feedback been has there been improvement are there things that people don't like yeah um yeah you know we have some very 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 close college relationships as well I mean, there's a lot of great colleges out there you know clt we're partnering now with 200 your grove cities your hillsdale thomas aquinas franciscan benedictine christopher newport is a great public school in virginia uh, and so a lot of the colleges that have retained a core curriculum are the kind of colleges that CLT usually partners with well. And so, yeah, again, you know, I, I think it's, it's kind of laughable. We certainly didn't intend to ever become this, you know, I think more and more a polarizing brand. And in some ways, CLT has become, I hate to use this word, but almost a bit of a litmus test at a lot of colleges because parents, and we just hear this from parents, but it signals to parents if a college is accepting the CLT 
it at least signals to the parent that the college isn't hostile to the Western intellectual tradition, uh, that they're at least open to that tradition being valuable. Um, and so, yeah, most of the colleges we partner with are schools that are going to be the ones that lean more conservative. And that's not many right now. I think right now every college is trying to one up the next with being more, a little more progressive, a little more woke than the next. And uh, yeah, and, and those are the colleges, honestly, that are going to be closing in the next few years, I think. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> well, I personally want this to close. Um, do you know of any other similar movements? Maybe not just in the U.S., but uh, I mean, I don't know if other places in the world are having this problem, but just do you know of any other places or other you know, companies? Yeah, I mean, in the United States, CLT is really just a part, actually, uh, of a much larger movement. People people refer to it usually as, as the classical renewal movement. Uh, but it's there, there's a movement in the homeschool world, in the Catholic school world, in the charter world, in the Protestant Christian world um, of embracing the kind of education, again, that 100% of our founders had, a, a, the kind of education that is focused on the formation of the human person. Uh, I, I think the best book, Desiree, I would recommend for anyone listening to this to understand what what I'm, I'm trying to get at here is, is C.S. Lewis's Abolition of Man. Um, I'm rereading it. Uh, actually for the second time just this year uh, that I reread it. But Lewis uh, is really clear in kind of what has gone fundamentally and tragically wrong with, with modern education. Uh, and he essentially takes this idea of natural law, or in the East, as they would call it, the Tao, and, um, and that, that all good formative education happens uh, by acknowledging the existence of natural law and reality and the teachers want students to live the good life, which is lived in submission to that reality, not by either trying to deny it or to change it, all right, which ultimately leads to all kinds of problems down the road. Um, and essentially, that's where mainstream education at the K through 12 level is, and also the college level right now is, as Lewis would argue it in, in Abolition of Man, is outside the Tao. And uh, what CLT wants to do is bring it back within this tradition, uh, and that is really the tra tradition that has given uh, given us so many of the the things that make life life great in 2021. Yeah, um, just a comment. Your, um, it's you know that what you just said about submitting to reality and knowing that colleges want to do away with standardized testing or say that some thinkers are greater than others. I think there is the desire in a lot of what you see from progressive ideology to deny um, the, the nature of reality in terms of their, you know, there being standards and different levels of competence and being able to assess that. So I just wanted to say like that there's a connection there <laughs> to what you're saying about submitting to, to, uh, to reality. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, do you have any general thoughts on where higher education might go in the U.S.? You, you kind of said a little bit in terms of some colleges closing, but any other thoughts there? Yeah, you know, I and I, I won't name the names of these institutions, but I think a select number of colleges have have figured out um, as there's kind of been, you know, the vast majority, the ninety percent or the eighty percent that are are racing to be you know, the most progressive, a smaller group has realized in terms of just like market share, right, that by being grounded, by being anchored in tradition, um, that there's actually a huge 
market group of, of students and parents willing that they can serve in that capacity. Uh, and so look, look at the schools right now this year that are thriving, right? Uh, Hillsdale up on transfer applications 110% in a year, right? Grove City, record year since 2004. Uh, Colorado Christian, record year by by 200 or more students. These are institutions that are, are experiencing rapid growth at a time when many are, are experiencing declining enrollment. Uh, and so I think we're going to see a continued kind of bifurcating uh, of American education in some ways where colleges will probably be pretty easy to identify as either uh, anchored in, in the tradition that honestly all of the colleges for the most part in the U.S. were born out of uh, or trying to trying to carve up something something brand new. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of my last questions for you is where do you get your inspiration from that could be a person or not like where if you want to share that yeah uh you know what i i think just probably good stories you know my dad read to me growing up uh one of my one of my sweetest childhood memories is my dad reading old man in the sea to me you know we would we would read a bunch of silly books as well and and it was kind of those sweet memories of reading with him laughing with him that i think gave me uh, a love for reading down the road and it's it's uh i think it's every parent's hope and dream that that their their kids would be better moms and dads uh than even they were uh, so I, I spend a ton of time, partly just because I'm trying to read so I didn't read on my own, uh, an hour most nights reading to my to my kids out loud. And so I think a lot of it comes from that wanting to take this beautiful uh, tradition, these timeless stories, uh, and and do what we're supposed to do, hand them off to the next generation. All right. Okay, so my last question for you isn't really a question. I just want to ask you or let you know that you can share if there's anything else you want to share with the audience that I haven't asked you, considering CLT, your journey, standardized testing, yeah, anything. Yeah, I'm super grateful to chat, Desiree. And uh, you know, I, I think the the folks that are listening right now that are sympathetic to to where you're coming from, I know uh, as well, um, need to be vocal. They really need to be vocal. I think a lot of conservatives are scared to talk right now. Uh, they're scared to say much of anything. And they're kind of amazed when somebody starts talking. They're like, wow, that person's saying things out loud that like we all kind of agree on, but we can't say. So yeah, I think more and more uh, conservatives need to take a step of faith and, and speak up about these things for sure. So yeah, and in, in terms of CLT, you know, we really do spread by word of mouth primarily. College Board and ACT are in the business of working with lobbyists and at this point actually using the hand of the state uh, to pass legislation that requires students to take their tests to graduate high school. CLT is not going to play those kind of games. We're not, we're not going to we're not going to do that. Uh, but instead, we really do spread by word of mouth. So please do tell somebody that we exist. We'd be we'd be super grateful for that. Yep, I want to concur with you. If you want someone to stand up for you and your thoughts and your opinions you're a great person to do it yourself so I, I just want to say I, I concur and uh can you tell people where to find you um jeremy on twitter like your handle or yeah. also the website or the clt website yeah twitter twitter has been a great way to kind of spread spread word about classical education and what we're doing at clt so my handle is at jeremy tate 41 and uh the website is cltexam.com if you just google a classic learning test. We love that. If you know a ninth or tenth grader, 
please have them join us. Uh, the final CLT 10 of the year, it's actually free, uh, is May 28th. So that's a great opportunity. And then there's always a CLT, which is accepted at more than 200 colleges right now. There's one coming up in just a couple of weeks. And then the last one of the year is on June 19th. All right. Good to know. So keep that in mind and go look for Jeremy and the, the CLT at these places and spread the word so people know that this option exists. I think I also found you last year um, around the beginning of the year, like you were saying. And I just want to remind you, if you're listening to this conversation and you appreciate it, please support it at justthinkingoutloud.tv slash support and support independent content so that the world can get better in the way that you want to see in the world. So did you want to say something? Oh, uh, no, just, yeah, thanks again, Ezra. I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, happy to be back on anytime. Yeah. Thank you to the audience and uh, share the conversation. Um, again, go and visit the website and spread the word about this. I think it's a really big deal. I'm really glad to have Jeremy come and talk about it. I care about education and knowledge and people respecting knowledge and that, that pursuits. And I, I want to see more of that in the world. So have a good day and I'll talk to you soon. All right, Bye. you too. Thank you. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.